Welcome to our worship gathering. I want to extend a special greeting if you are newer here at MVCC. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Sunday. Our hope is that our times of worship, our community, continue to be a blessing in your life. Let's jump right into our teaching for today. This builds on a teaching that we started last week. Uh, we started talking about freedom. And this week, we're going to look at how to overcome some of the practical challenges to living in the remarkable freedom that God has provided for us. And the core message uh, that we taught last week is that true freedom, the most important freedom that we can possibly have, is our ability to say yes to God, to fulfill his purpose and his calling for our lives. But we looked at last week how hard that can be. And it actually reminds me of a text message that my sister recently sent me just a couple weeks ago. And she heard it on the radio. Uh, it struck her, so she texted it to me. And it's been on my mind for the last couple of weeks. And this is what the text message said. It said, we don't get the life we planned. We get the life God planned. And then we spend the rest of our lives trying not to hold it against him. Now, I don't know about you, but there is a part of me that deeply resonates with this text message. Uh, it makes me remember times in my life where it felt like God was leading me in a direction that I didn't want to go. And it was so hard not to hold it against him. But then it also reminded me of all the times that I've deeply experienced God's goodness and faithfulness in my life. And that there have been times where I've moved in the direction that God had wanted me to move, even though I wasn't sure it was going to be a good thing. And that God surprised me in the midst of it with his goodness and faithfulness. And it made me think about all the people in history whose names we know because they say yes to God, but their lives turned out dramatically different than what they expected. Folks like St. Francis of Assisi, Mother Teresa, folks like Martin Luther King Jr. and Sojourner Truth, uh, folks like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Eleanor Roosevelt, and the names could go on and on. That life doesn't turn out the way that we expect, but when we say yes to God, something powerful can happen. And so I texted this message back to my sister, and I said, I don't say this lightly at all, because I still am often not there yet. But there is something powerful and joyful that happens when we realize that what God planned is better than what we planned. You can see it in history and in ordinary lives, but it's definitely not easy to yield our own plan for our lives. It's not easy to yield our own plan for our lives. And we saw this in the two passages that we looked at last week, these two men that Jesus encountered in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, the first man that Jesus encountered uh, was in Mark 5, and he was a man that was filled with an impure spirit. And in that encounter in Mark 5, Jesus healed him, he delivered him, and he set him free. And it was a freedom not just from his affliction, it was a freedom for the purposes of God. And so when this man was delivered, he actually had one plan and one goal in his mind. He, he wanted to be where Jesus was. He wanted to be with Jesus. And Jesus had a different call for him. Jesus said, no. And we see this in Mark 5, verses 18 and 20. As Jesus was getting in the boat to leave, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. 
So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. So this is what freedom, true freedom really looks like, right? It's not just getting your own way, but for this man, it was being able to hear the call of God. And even though it wasn't what he, was, what he wanted, and even though it was probably very complicated to go back home and go back to his people who knew everything that he had been through, he went and he committed himself to saying yes to Jesus. And he went throughout the Decapolis. Decapolis in Greek actually means 10 cities. So he went to this region and all through those 10 cities, he proclaimed what God had done for him. And all the people were amazed. There's something joyful and powerful that happens when we realize that God's plans are even better than our plans. And then we saw a very different encounter in Mark 10, where Jesus met a rich man. And when he met this rich man, on the surface, this rich man seemed as different as possible from the guy we saw in Mark 5. He had, you know, resources and money and control of his life. Well, he came to Jesus, and Jesus had a call for him as well. And this is what Mark 10, 21 says. Jesus looked at him, this rich man, and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. So if you were with us this last week, this is, you know, a pop quiz moment. Of these two men, which of them said to Jesus, don't torture me. And the, the funny thing is it could have been either one of them, right? Uh, the, the scripture actually says that in Mark 5, uh, the demon-possessed man said to Jesus, don't torture me when Jesus was coming toward him. And he was afraid that his life was going to be radically changed by Jesus. And in fact, it was. But he was so afraid at that moment, he said, don't torture me. But the rich man probably felt the same way when he heard this call from Jesus to sell all he had, to give it to the poor and to come and follow him. And the challenge for this rich man was that even though Jesus loved him, he didn't stay with Jesus long enough. He didn't ask questions of Jesus. He didn't wrestle with Jesus long enough to fully experience that love. He didn't allow God's love to break through into his life. And so he turned away sad. And I want to take a moment just to reflect on what this rich man missed out on because he turned away. Sure, he got to hold on to his money, but he missed out on being a friend and companion to Jesus, the Son of God. And even if you're not a Christian and you're not sure that Jesus was the Son of God, at the very least, you can say that he missed out on being a friend to the most influential person in all of human history. You know, just last week, um, our family watched Hamilton, the musical together. It just got released uh, uh, online on streaming. And in that musical, there's a character, Aaron Burr. He's uh, uh, Alexander Hamilton's uh, nemesis. And the only thing that Aaron Burr wants is to be in the room where it happens, in the room where history is made. And this is what Jesus was offering this rich man, to be in the room where miracles 
were happening, to be in the room where the wisdom of God was being taught as Jesus taught the people, to be in the room at the Last Supper when Jesus broke bread and poured wine and said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. This is where I am preparing for the salvation of all creation. This man could have been in the room where it happened. But in order to hold on to his money, he said no, and he missed out. So let me ask you, and this is what I'm asking myself today. What do we miss out on when we're not able to say yes to God? The reality is it is hard to, to follow God in a direction, in a call that is different than what we had planned. But it is possible. And there are stories all around us that show us that even under the most difficult of circumstances, it is possible to say yes to God and to have that freedom to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. One of the stories that I want to share with you today is from a friend right here in our community. His name is Ben Lanai. And recently I got a chance to sit down with him and have a conversation and I'm so excited to share this conversation with you today. Ben, thank you so much for being with us today, for being a part of our teaching uh, this week uh, here at MVCC. And you're a part of our community. Uh, you um, are a blessing to our church in so many different ways. I work with you to actually write life group notes and things like that. But you have a tremendous story as well. And um, you know, in your 40s, uh, your life took an unexpected turn. So maybe you can just start by sharing a little bit of what was going, you know, what was happening in your life in your 40s and then what happened. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much. So my story is that uh, I grew up in France and I came to the U.S. for grad school uh, in the mid 80s in uh, Seattle, Washington, where I met my wife and we moved to the, uh, the Bay Area, the Silicon Valley uh, in the late 80s to work in high tech. And uh, so I uh, raised my kids. We were very outdoorsy, very mm. athletic. Mm. Uh, we went skiing, hiking, uh, backpacking. You climbed mountains, right? Like, yes. yeah. yeah, we, we were, uh, we were uh, uh, mountaineers. And um, about a decade ago, I, um, I started noticing that um, I was struggling to, uh, to run, uh, I was falling, I was stumbling. Uh, so there was obviously something wrong with me and it was progressing. Mm. And so uh, I uh, had my first medical appointment in uh, early 2010 and uh, went through a uh, two-year diagnostic odyssey trying to find a reason to explain my symptoms. And finally, I was diagnosed with uh, X-linked adrenoleukodystrophy uh, XALD, which is a uh, rare uh, neurodegenerative condition. And when I got the readout, uh, it is, uh, you know, very grim, very bleak. Mm -hmm. It's a relentlessly progressive disease and uh, terminal. And uh, it was a shock uh, to learn of that and, um, and, and really uh, understand that uh, my, my time was limited. What was your and prognosis at that time? It's typically uh, two to five years. Wow. Uh, and, you know, uh, almost a decade later, later I'm still here. <laughs> You're still uh, with us, as, yeah. As a disabled person, but mm. in many other ways as a functional person. 
so it shows you know that I'm an outlier mm -hmm. and um, you know nobody uh, uh, nobody uh, has a, an exact prognosis you know there can be significant differences now when you get a diagnosis like that how do you even you know how, how do you how do you even start to respond to that like how I mean how do you get your mind wrapped around that and 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 digest that even in the in the in the immediate moment yeah so I think it uh, it triggers you know all kinds of uh, of, of uh, questions around your assumptions your priorities mm -hmm. uh, number one there is a lot of you know uncertainty around uh, time how much time do I have uh, how is it going to progress how it's going to impact uh, me and uh, my loved ones mm -hmm. and so you have to to grapple with with this uh, you also look at all your uh, priorities because, you know, I was chasing the dream in terms of career and, uh, and accomplishments and with an eye towards a very long and happy retirement. Mm. And so everything is totally appended. And um, I think you, you need to look at uh, your freedom, uh, you know, that uh, some of your freedom may be curtailed, uh, but freedom is going to be redefined because you suddenly are free uh, to do uh, different things that actually could be better. Mm. Now, you're a part of our community. You're uh, a serious follower of Jesus. Uh, how did your relationship with God affect the way that you confronted the reality of living with this disease? Yeah, so I obviously, you know, I turned to scripture for, um, for inspiration and, and counsel. And I think the, uh, the number one thing is um, uh, dealing with fear mm. uh, because fear, you know, you can get petrified with fear, uh, fear of the unknown, uh, fear of pain mm. uh, and fear of loss. And I think uh, for me, it was um, trying to free myself up from that fear. So I, I can, I could kind of regain and, and, and even expand my, my, my freedom to operate. Mm. Um, I think the other essential thing is to, uh, to look at uh, the, the fact that it's a, a dramatic change. And so there is an old me, mm. you know, and, and you have to stop grieving the old me and discover uh, and cultivate the new me, you know, and, and just uh, see then what this new me uh, can do. Mm. Now, uh, you mentioned, think, well, you, you mentioned that in making that turn, God opened up some some significant new opportunities that you probably never could have anticipated when you were, you know, first receiving the diagnosis. What did that actually look like for you to start to take steps into kind of that new reality and that new freedom to, um, to explore these, you know, new opportunities that God had given you? Yeah. So I, I looked, looked on the heart at my, uh, you know, what gifts I have. Mm. And, uh, you know, in the back of my mind, I, I thought of our, um, uh, our uh, Lord Jesus, mm. who was, you know, very gifted, had uh, had prodigious gifts, and uh, put these to work as a as a teacher, as a healer, mm. uh, and uh, in a way as the ultimate coach, as he mm. mentored disciples and mm. trained them, you know, to, uh, to 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 magnify his message. And so, what 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 was fun for me is that um, uh, I realized that there there were a lot of things I could do. Uh, by the way, the disease is the great equalizer uh, because, you know, uh, suddenly people of all backgrounds are united by the fact that we were all equal 
in terms of biology. And so, uh, so it, it uh, allowed me to, number one, reach out to my community mm -hmm. uh, to become, you know, a, a big resource, uh, a sort of moderator, uh, curator of information. And I started a foundation with my neurologist, which has wow. become the, the premier uh, medical research foundation for this condition in the U.S. Wow. I also, above and beyond the disease, uh, I decided to really up-level my, my volunteering. Mm -hmm. So uh, one thing that I do is uh, I tutor uh, third graders in the Ravenswood School District. Wow. And I've done that for the past five years, and it's been one of the most uh, uh, joyful and, and meaningful things that I do. Mm. Uh, I um, mentor young professionals uh, who are um, somehow stuck in their lives and careers. So I've mentored about 40 people in the last five wow. years. That's a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in general, I also uh, try to, to minister uh, to people who have uh, received a, uh, a terrible diagnosis mm -hmm. because uh, people feel like, uh, you know, after life takes a hairpin turn like this, you know, uh, life is, is a, it becomes a dead end. And my message, and it, it's a very practical one, is that uh, not only is it not a dead end, but it's an open road mm. to, uh, to redefine freedom, to open new opportunities, and, uh, and to be incredibly useful. Mm. That's amazing. Uh, that's you know, right in line with what we've been talking about, about freedom over these last couple of weeks. Um, you know, this sense that we may face significant limitations in our lives, but the deep freedom that God gives us is to be a part of his redemptive story, that even when we face limitations that we never expected, that there's this gift of freedom of, um, you know, fulfilling the plan and purpose that God has for our life to make an impact in this world that is maybe far greater than we ever imagined. Um, what are some closing thoughts that you have just about freedom as you're, you know, sharing, sharing the wisdom that you've gained uh, with our, our New Beginnings community? You know, for me, um, uh, I, I mean, it is, uh, sometimes it is hard. Disability is hard. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have a, a limitation on, on what you can do. You know, you have, um, you have a handicap, you have, uh, you know, maybe uh, fatigue and, and pain. Uh, and so it's easy to fall into the, the pattern of saying, you know, life sucks. Mm -hmm. I got a raw deal. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you have to uh, to get beyond that mm -hmm. and see how you're part of the, the redemptive plan, as you mm -hmm. said. For me, of course, my involvement in the church has been essential, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of my wonderful life group, mm -hmm. uh, my ability to serve uh, with the, uh, the sermon notes every Sunday mm -hmm. with William, and um, a sense that, you know, I have community, I have agency, and above all, I have gratitude. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, for um, really giving life and uh, you know an ex a model, an example for our teaching uh, this week. And just want to say how thankful I am for your presence in our community. You, you help our church to be the church that it is. So thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I am so grateful for Ben sharing his story with us. And the truth is, you know, we all encounter so much difficult news these days. There's so many things that 
can trouble us when we hear about what's going on in the world, but there are also so many stories that can encourage us and inspire us where people are saying yes to God and fulfilling their purpose, their incredible call in this world. Just last week, I was so moved by the news stories that shared about Maya Moore. And Maya Moore is one of the all-time great women's basketball players. And in this past year, she stepped away from the game. She, she left basketball in her prime, and it stunned the basketball world. It wasn't because of scandal. It wasn't because of injury. It was because she's a follower of Jesus. And she and her family have been involved in prison ministry. Uh, they go and they visit those who are incarcerated. And their family came across the story of one man, Jonathan Irons. And through hearing his story, they realized that he was a man that had been wrongly convicted. And as Maya Moore prayed about what God was calling her to do uh, with this man's story, she felt led to step away from basketball and to devote herself full time to working for his release, to working to shine a light on this place that was broken inside of our criminal justice system. And just last week, Jonathan Irons walked out of prison a free man. Uh, Maya Moore shared uh, these photos on her Instagram page. There's a video online where you can see her reaction of incredible joy when she sees that what she has committed her life to, as she has followed God in, I'm sure, what was a path that she never planned for or never expected, that she experienced the goodness of God being released through her life. And I just want to encourage us. There are so many stories that are like this that show us that it is possible to say yes to God. It is possible to walk in that freedom if we're open to, to hearing those stories. And so in the brief time that we have left, I just want to highlight three quick lessons that hopefully will help us to consider what God is calling us to and what it looks like for us to be able to say yes to him. So the first lesson that I want to highlight is that our deepest pain often uncovers our unique calling. You know, after my message last week, I got several questions from people that said, how do we know what our calling is, what God is calling us to say yes to? And calling is a huge topic, and so that it's definitely a different message at a different time. But this lesson about being able to recognize that our calling often flows out of our deepest pain is one that just jumps out of Ben's story. Um, I don't know, I can't imagine how it must have felt for Ben when he heard the diagnosis that he had a degenerative disease, that he had maybe two years to live. And one of the things that Ben shared was that in order to move forward, he needed to let go of the questions of why and why me. And all of us are going to ask those questions of why and why me when we encounter pain and suffering in our lives. But in order to move into God's purpose, in order to be able to hear, to walk in freedom and to not be limited just by our pain and suffering, we need to be able to bring those questions to God and to experience God's comfort and God's healing and God's hope on the other side of our pain. And so what I want to do um, in this moment 
is just to say a word to you if you are in that place of experience in deep pain and grief right now. And maybe the best that you can do in this moment is just to bring those questions to God. I just want to encourage and affirm that's exactly what you should be doing. Don't uh, turn away from God. Don't feel like God has abandoned you because God has promised that no matter what we go through in life, he will never leave us or forsake us, that his love always has the last word in our lives. So the best thing that we can do is to bring our pain and our grief to him. And in those moments, we will encounter God's comfort, God's hope, God's promise that our life is not over and that there is still a purpose that we can live out if we walk with him. And what we will find is that as we receive that comfort and hope, that that comfort and hope is not just for ourselves, but it is also for others around us that are in this exact same place that we are. So our deepest pain often uncovers our unique calling. Our second lesson that I just want to highlight is that we have to say yes to God's calling for our lives, not God's calling for someone else's life. And this is so easy for us, right? Like the grass is, always looks greener on the other side of the fence. It is so easy for us to want to trade places with someone else and to be able to trade places and have someone else's calling, to do what God has called someone else to do, instead of doing what God has called us to do. And we can look at other people's lives and feel envious. How come, you know, that person is able to have such success in their career and follow God? Why can't I have their calling? How come that person is able to seemingly have such a perfect family life and follow God? How come I can't have that person's calling? The reality is we need to be able to hear God's calling for our lives and say yes to it because God has shaped our calling just for us. And we see this so clearly. This is um, so fascinating in the two men that we looked at in the Gospel of Mark, that the man in Mark 5, who was demon-possessed, would have loved to have the calling that Jesus gave to the rich man in Mark 10. That the man in Mark 5, if he had heard, go sell all that you have, give to the poor, and come follow me, he would have been like, sure, I don't have very much at all. The poor are welcome to whatever they want, and all I really wanted to do was to follow you. But Jesus knew that this man needed a different calling, that this man needed to be reunited with his family and his people. And so he gave him a different calling to go and to tell people what the Lord had done for him. And of course, that calling for that man in Mark 5 was exactly the calling that the rich man in Mark 10 wished he had received. Because he would have said yes to going around and telling people how good God was. He would have bought a new chariot, bought some new horses, and he would have been happy to go in style telling people how good God was. But Jesus knew that the rich man needed something different. He needed to be set free from his identity that was tied into his wealth. He needed to, to be in deep relationship with Jesus so that he could experience the depth of God's love for him. And so Jesus gave him a different call and the rich man couldn't just trade his call with someone else. So I want to encourage us today. When we hear a call from God for our lives, 
We need to say yes to what God is asking of us. We need to believe that God knows us and the call that he gives us is designed to shape our character, to shape our hearts. And that instead of asking questions about, you know, why me and how about this other person, we can say thank you for the invitation that God is giving us to be a part of the work that he is doing in this world. And then the last lesson that I just want to highlight. Lesson three is to remember that nothing in our lives are ever wasted. Nothing in our life is wasted. And I think a lot of us struggle with this when we think about calling. Um, it's one of the things that makes it hard for us to move in the direction that God is calling us. Because you think, what about the parts of our lives that we're leaving behind? Isn't God wasting them? I know I felt like this when I felt called to become a pastor. I wrestled with, you know, what about my education and skills and training as an engineer? Isn't that being wasted? I'm sure Maya Moore felt like, you know, when she left basketball for the past year and decided to leave it again for next year, that she felt like, am I wasting my gift and talent as a basketball player? And maybe even the rich man felt like maybe he was wasting his wealth if he just gave it away. But the truth is, in God's economy, nothing is ever wasted. No action is wasted. No act of love or kindness or compassion for another person is ever wasted. And no part of us, our character, our background is ever wasted. Whatever God calls us to, he calls us, he, he shapes us for it. And he uses every part of who we are to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in the world. And I've certainly found that to be the case. It turns out that it's actually quite helpful to be a pastor who's not afraid of numbers. So the finance and administration of our church that I work on, um, that benefits from my background. Uh, for Maya Moore, it is precisely because of her gifts and her, um, her talent as a basketball player that she has such a unique platform and voice to be able to advocate uh, for the freedom of Jonathan Irons and to shine a light on where our criminal justice system is broken. And we heard that in the story of Ben Lanai, where God is using every part of his talent and skills and experience and relationships to start a foundation that is offering hope for others who have the same affliction that he does. And he is able to pour out his story into the world uh, that offers hope for others in just a, in a remarkable way because of who God has shaped him to be. So as we close, I just want to encourage you that when it comes down to it, our ability to walk in freedom, to say yes to what God is calling us to do, really comes down to a matter of our hearts. Our, have our hearts experienced the depth of God's love? Are our hearts trusting God and believing that God is good and faithful in our lives? And if our hearts are strengthened before God, if we're at a place where we recognize that we want to say yes to God and we're asking for God's help, I want to invite you to pray um, this verse with me that I've been holding on to for my own life. And it comes out of 2 Chronicles 16.9. And it simply says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. May that be you, may that be me, as we seek to walk in the freedom that God gives us to say yes to him 
and to fulfill his purpose for our lives this day, this season. Amen. In this time, uh, um, as we close, I just want to invite you, if you've heard God speaking to your heart, to take a concrete action and respond to him to say yes to him today. And I invite you to do that through our connection card. For some of you, you've heard God's voice of love in your heart today for the very first time. And you want to say yes to following him, to becoming a new follower of Jesus. You can mark that down right on your connection card. For others of you, you are recommitting your lives to following him. You can mark that down as well. We would love to support you in that journey in any way that we can. And for all the rest of us, as we're wrestling with issues of calling and freedom and trying to be able to say yes to all that God has for us, um, I invite you to respond to the message in this way today, simply by, um, by affirming this prayer, give me strength for my calling. And you can mark that down on the connection card and we can move forward together as a community for all that God has for us. I invite you to hold out your hands as we pray and close our time together today. Father God, we thank you for your love that meets us today. I want to especially pray for Ben Lanai and ask that you would give him strength and sustain his health as he seeks to honor you and to follow you as you are working through his life. And the prayer that we pray for him is the prayer that we pray for all of us. Strengthen us as um, strengthen us, open our ears, open our hearts as we hear from you what you're inviting us to do and allow us to give our whole hearts to you so that we can live in fullness of the life that you intend for us to have. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. You know, this has been such a long and grueling season for so many of us. Uh, Pastor Herman is actually taking an additional week off just to rest and recharge. So next week, we are super excited to have Pastor Dan Monroe uh, share a message with us. So we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Uh, this Sunday, after all three of our gatherings, we have a special virtual social hall that we're uh, inviting you to through Zoom. So on our Facebook feed or on our website, you can get that link, register, and join. See the faces of our community. We would love to see you. And finally, there are two reflection questions that I invite you to engage with for this week. Uh, the first is, what's your greatest fear about saying yes to God? And the second is, what would you miss out on if you don't say yes to God? I hope these questions are a blessing to you as we all consider what it looks like to walk in freedom with God this week. God bless you. See you next Sunday.